Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's Throwback Thursday. Hey everyone, Chris Fafali is here. It's Throwback Thursday again here at Chris to Makes a Podcast. And this week, we're throwing it back to almost 100 episodes ago, all the way back to episode number 22 from October 26th of 2020, when Robin Wilson of the Jim Blossoms sat in to discuss the writing of Till I Hear It From You. This is still one of my favorite episodes ever, and it was made extra special by Robin doing an exclusive live performance of the song at the end of the episode. So if you're listening to this episode for the first time, enjoy. And if you're listening to this one again, trust me, I went through and did some more editing and did more adding of song clips and stuff like that. You know, I've come a long way as an editor and producer since 100 episodes ago. But the point is, I enjoyed this episode just as much on the re-listen as I did two years ago, so you might too. Okay, everybody, I'll let you get into it. Here's episode number 22 from October 26th of 2020. Robin Wilson discusses the gin blossoms till I hear it from you. Hey, everybody. Today's guest is Robin Wilson, lead singer of the Gin Blossoms. Robin and I break down the writing, recording, and release of their mega hit, Till I Hear It From You. We touch on the fact that the music to the song was already written and then presented to Robin to write lyrics for, and how there was immense pressure for him to deliver. We discuss how the song, which was on the soundtrack to the 1995 movie Empire Records, actually became much bigger than the movie itself. Robin talks about the challenges of writing follow-up songs after having enormous hits on a previous record. We talk about Robin stepping in as lead vocalist for The Smithereens, and also a new cartoon that he's developed called The Poppin' Wheelies, which harkens back to the rock and roll cartoons from the 1970s such as The Banana Splits and The Jackson 5. And we have a first here on Chris to Makes a Podcast. At the end of the episode, Robin shares something with all of us that's never happened before on the show. Very cool. For all this and much more, stay tuned. Hey, hey, have you heard? Chris to Makes a Podcast. Uh, you know, I, I have to say, uh, Robin, when your band uh, hit the scene, when you got signed uh, to A&M and uh, the first record, uh, New Miserable Experience came out, uh, that was 1992. I was a 19-year-old kid living in Gainesville, Florida, and uh, I just, I was too punk for school. I wasn't listening to much stuff that was on the radio, and you guys were everywhere, though. And there's one thing that's testament about you and your songs and your band is that when it, what, when it did come on the radio, I never turned it off. Uh, and I've really went back, uh, when I found out I was going to do this episode with you, went back and, and, uh, discovered your catalog, just amazing pop songs. I, that's why I love doing this podcast because I'm able to, uh, as, uh, 
hate using this word as an adult, <laughs> go back and, and, and look at stuff that I, that I may have missed. Cause I was, uh, this, uh, young kid that, uh, didn't have, didn't have so much of an open mind. So I'm, I'm so excited to have you here. And the song you picked, uh, I was telling my producer, uh, as you know, Chris Favalios, I was telling him that uh, yesterday I was shopping, uh, here at a, at a market called food city for some groceries. And I'm not kidding you. I walked in until I hear it from you was on the, uh, on the PA in the grocery right. store. <laughs> Great, great. I, I hear that all the t people, you know, I get text messages from people, hey, I'm at Home Depot, your song is playing or whatever. And uh, it's so uh, cool, though, man. It's so it, and it was it was just such a uh, a moment for me. I was just smile from you. I got a smile ear to ear right now talking about it. it's very cool. So yeah, I just let the cat out of the bag. Robin uh, picked Till I Hear It From You, which was from the uh, Empire Records soundtrack. Empire Records was a movie that came out in 1995. So set this one up a little bit. I know that uh, it was co-written uh, uh, with Marshall Crenshaw, which is amazing. So take us back to uh, 95 or so when, when, when this was written. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, your producer, Chris Fafalios, uh, chose, chose the song, um, which is fine with me. I, I, I might have picked this one, too, because it's a, it's a pretty decent story. There's a lot of layers to it. Um, so we were coming off of uh, touring for New Miserable Experience, which we, we toured on that record for almost three years. So the record came out in October 92, and we were pretty much on the road uh, from then until like the beginning of 1995. You know, it was pretty much nonstop. And uh, we were just touring and touring and touring. And, you know, then you get to that point where you have to follow up your multi-platinum debut. And there's, there's really no more pressure you can put on, a, on an artist uh, than to have to do that. And uh, so, you know, we were thinking about our second record and uh, realizing the immense pressure we were under. And uh, so somewhere around, it must have been around Christmas time in 94, or early 95, the label, our label, A&M Records, uh, came to us and said that they were going to be releasing the soundtrack for some movie the next summer and that we were going to have the lead single on this soundtrack. And so we didn't quite understand the scope of of whether or not, you know, how big the movie was going to be or how big the soundtrack would, would be. But we knew that our label was counting on us to, to turn in a, a hit. So, you know, there was some, uh, you know, once again, you're, you're in this position where you're under a lot of pressure and... You know, with New Miserable Experience, a lot of those songs were written by our our original guitar player, Doug Hopkins. And so we were going into the everything after that without him and without his songwriting. And so the the pressure was all on myself and Jesse Valenzuela to, to step up and, uh, you know, deliver the goods. So right around the time that I heard, it must have been January 95, uh, that I heard we were going to ha have this single on a soundtrack record. It was soon after that that Jesse came to me and said, well, I co-wrote this song with Marshall Crenshaw, and we want you to finish the lyrics. And Jesse, he has a way. He always plays everything so cool. You know, if I had co-written a song with Marshall Crenshaw, I would have been 
I would have been jumping up and down and telling everybody, <laughs> you know, I would, I, it's, I'm the kind of person where I have to, I have to share what I'm excited about. But Jesse's just so cool, so laid back. He's like, yeah, I wrote this song with Marshall Crenshaw, you know, I'm just like, you dick, you know. <laughs> well, and, 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 and for the listeners, Jesse uh, Valenzuela is the guitarist in the Gin Blossoms. And, you know, you guys delivered with this song because, you know, Empire Records is kind of a footnote in 90s movies. This song totally eclipsed what that movie was. It, yeah, it did. It did. Uh, and, you know, the, the movie has, has certainly uh, grown in its status uh, since its release mm-hmm. but um yeah the song of song became a big deal you know it was um let me see what what happened next okay so jesse kind of casually says oh i wrote this song with marshall we need you to finish the lyrics and so i get the demo and it's uh it's jesse singing you know there's no words it's just a vocal melody and then there's uh, there's the chorus. He's got the chorus. I don't want to take advice from fools. And so I I had the demo, and I had a little uh, ADAT set up at my home, and so I got it loaded into there and started listening to it. And I I remember thinking, you know, well the label's waiting for the song, and Jesse and Marshall have done their part, and it's it's just it's up to me not to fuck this up uh that's what i remember thinking that really clearly like just don't fuck it up you know you you've gotta you've gotta rise to the occasion well when you when when you say that robin did you know like did could you hear that there was something here in order to have that pressure you must have been like man there's something here i have to deliver now on the lyrical end oh yeah it was it was a really solid melody and it was a really solid chorus and i knew there were there were no excuses uh you know there were there were gonna be no excuses i i had to write some good lyrics so i got to work you know and i I focused and my my approach when i'm collaborating with somebody else like this uh, if there's a title for the song i work backwards you know so i I had to write lyrics that led you up to that moment where you hear till I hear it from you. That's really interesting. So that was already there and you're you're building around that now. Absolutely. So wow. like I say, I had to work backwards and write the story that culminates in in that chorus. I don't want to take advice from fools. And so I thought what I'm hearing here is a, a song about a relationship where a guy is hearing rumors about uh, his girlfriend. Uh, so I, I took that as like what, that's what the story is about. And he's this dude, he's hearing the lyric, he's hearing the, uh, these rumors, but you know, he doesn't necessarily want to believe it. And he, you know, he wants to trust that, uh, you know, his relationship isn't bullshit. Uh, but at the same time, there's, you know, peer pressure and you've got you know people gossiping and stuff and so i just kind of focused on that concept that's what the song is about so was this was this purely a story at this point that you were creating around the lyric or or did you pull from any personal experiences uh, within this to, to to write it well i no no i can't say that there were specifically any personal experiences it was uh 
It was more a matter of just trying to, you know, uh, paint the picture and fill in fill in the blanks and be a storyteller. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I just I focused on that and I just thought about it. When when I'm writing lyrics like that, sometimes it's it takes hours to just finally get one or two words to come out. And I don't I can't recall exactly how long it took me, probably a couple of days of listening to the track before I finally just jumped in and uh, and started with the first verse. You know, I didn't ask. They shouldn't have told me. You know, uh, again, I was just thinking about, you know, uh, imagining a scene at, at the bar or you're hanging out with your friends doing bongs and, you know, they're, <laughs> they're telling you these, these rumors, you know. And so I just kind of, I just started from there. I didn't ask. They shouldn't have told me. didn't ask they shouldn't have told me at first i'd laugh but now it's sinking in fast whatever they've sold me but baby and then we'll get into the chorus in a moment so that pretty much sets you know sets up that chorus really well yeah i think i nailed it you know <laughs> i was uh i once i got once i started going i i was like okay i think i'm on to something here was the initial demo uh, that you heard, was that pretty much the arrangement and, and what the track ended up being? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You know, like okay. they had the, it was a very basic demo. I think it was just acoustic guitars and Jesse's, Jesse's voice. Um, I don't think we had the, that arpeggiated riff yet. It was, mm -hmm. uh, it was just the basic chords. And uh, Jesse going, ba-da-da-da, ba-da-da-da-da, and... Um, I just knew I had to not fuck it up. And uh, so once I, once I got started, I realized that it was going to work, you know, and that I just needed to stay on that track and f finish, f write another verse, you know, um, and just keep going from there. And, well, uh, I, I got to I gotta say, I'm, I'm fascinated by this, and I marvel at songwriters, lyricists that are storytellers, that they're able to create some story that not necessarily through their, their firsthand experiences. Um, I can't really do that lyrically. My lyrics, if I try that, they, they end up being very verbatim. Like, I walked to the store, and I did this, and it just <laughs> sounds right. really it sounds really contrived. It's such an art form sure. that I don't know if the listeners truly, I appreciate it so much. And in and, and doing this podcast, I'm really breaking down lyrics, and it, I'm just fascinated by someone telling me, oh, this is just a story that I wrote. It's amazing to me. Yeah, well, uh, well thank you. You know, I... I, it's not normally the way I work. I'm, I come from the, as a lyricist, I have more in common with someone like Rick Ocasek, who just writes a bunch of crazy gibberish, but it's, <laughs> it's awesome. sets, but it sets a mood. Yeah, it's awesome and it's sexy and you can feel what he's trying to make you feel and you get it. And that, that's generally how I uh, have 
often worked and certainly in those days as a as a less experienced songwriter that was more my style was just to kind of write somewhat of psychedelic gibberish but you know in in the back of my mind I'm trying to set a mood and maybe there is a story there but you know like you were saying I don't want to I don't want it to be as literal. I want it to be more about like what I was thinking and feeling while that story was taking place as opposed to just a a blow-by-blow, play-by-play spilling out of (laughs) what the situation is is going on or what what I'm seeing. That's a great description. That's how I feel about my lyrics sometimes. I feel it's a blow-by-blow, play-by-play when I want it to be a little more... uh, for lack of a better word, abstract, where people could take whatever away from it. It's not completely literal. Right. And, you know, abstract is actually the perfect word. And uh, that's that's generally how I work. And I, do, I've, I still do that, you know, uh, songs that I write uh, in, in recent years. I know what I'm saying, but I don't necessarily want everybody else to know exactly what I'm talking about. And there's a fine line there, too, between being abstract and being Lou Reed, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, know? You, don't, you don't know what the hell they're talking about. Right. Uh, you know, and that's okay, too. There's no rules. Uh, sure. as, as long as you feel something, you know, when it comes to, to the lyrics, you know. And again, uh, Rick Ocasek would be a great example of a master at that, you know. I mean, his lyrics, if you if you really look at them, they make very, very little sense. And uh, a lot of them... But you feel them, them, like you said. But Yeah, you, you really feel it. Uh, Michael Stipe is, an, is another uh, lyricist who's really uh, good at that. You know, you, you really can... Uh, you have this empathy for what he's, what he's feeling, and you, you feel it too. And, uh, uh, you know, a lot of it makes no sense but damn if it doesn't make you feel something very deep you know that's that's a great analogy do you remember if this first verse was it ever the second verse or was this always the first lyric here that was the first lyric i wrote it came right out that was the first thing i put down uh you know pencil to paper uh you know i usually if i've got a demo like that one or if I, i i still use this method where I listen to my own demos and words will pop into my head as I'm listening. And yeah, I didn't ask. They shouldn't have told me. That was that was the first thing that, that came out. And uh, when I got to the, when I had to uh, rhyme something with uh, they shouldn't have told me, and I got to, you know, whatever they've sold me, I'm like, damn, this is, this is co- coming out pretty good. You know, this is, this is painting the right picture. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, completing the thought that Jesse and Marshall have put down. You know? Well, and everyone can relate. I didn't ask. They, should, you, they, they shouldn't have told me. You know, you're out having a couple of drinks. You're just sitting there. You're enjoying the night. And all of a sudden, someone gets a few too many tequilas in and they whisper in your Hey man, your 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 girl's messing around on you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and most everybody could relate to something like that. So, um, we we get into the first uh, chorus, and I love how this song builds because from the first chorus uh, to the second to the third, um, the last line until I hear it from you, it only happens once in in this first chorus. Well, baby, I don't The 
lyric is, I don't want to take advice from fools. I'll just figure everything is cool until I hear it from you. Um, and then there's the uh, call and response backing vocal of, of hear it from you. Was this lyric completely done uh, with, with uh, Jesse and Marshall? Jesse had the lyric and he had written a, an initial version of the song. And then once Marshall got involved, Marshall, I believe, like changed the chorus. Like I think Jesse had the like the opening line of the of the chorus, I don't want to take advice from fools. I figure everything is cool. And Jesse loves to use the word cool in his songs. He, he's got a <laughs> bunch of songs. I, and I, I do too. I have the same kind of default words that I, I tend to go with. I'm always singing about light for some reason. But uh, Jesse likes to say the word cool. And uh, so I'm sure that was his lyric. But then Marshall was the one who, who like dropped in the melody and probably that that answer in the background vocal i'm pretty sure that was marshall's uh, contribution yeah that background vocal is so great and it, and, it, and it is a call and response i guess you would call it a background vocal but it's darn near as loud as the lead vocal which is sure. but it's awesome you know and it really it really drives that part and makes that part uh, what it is um yeah the the second verse it gets hard the memories faded who gets what they say it's likely they're just jealous and jaded well, maybe I don't it gets hard the memories faded who gets what they say it's likely they're just jealous and jaded or maybe and then it goes into the second chorus so uh Talk, talk a little bit about this verse. Do you remember writing this specific uh, part? Well, um, I can't remember if, if I wrote all the lyrics in one day or if it took me like a, a few days. I think that I, I pretty much wrote like most of it in one day and then I didn't get get around to the bridge or the, or the third verse. So again, you know, I was just trying to... Uh, you know, continue on with the story. This guy's trying to uh, ignore uh, these rumors he's hearing, and so you know, what is he? What is he feeling? You know, and so I, you know, I just tried to focus on that. What is this dude thinking? What is he feeling? And well, it you know gets hard. The memories faded. Um, you know, who gets what they say? You know, uh, it's it's not quite as concise as as the first verse but it's what that guy was feeling and trying to debate in his own head whether or not to take these rumors seriously well i love to deconstruct other people's lyrics and analyze them and looking at the first verse uh told me sold me and then at the end you have baby well in the second verse it's yeah but just let me i'm sorry to interrupt but jesse jesse had baby and maybe in there um that was like so it's but maybe i don't want to that was jesse's demo okay Uh, but actually it was baby it was always baby Uh uh, on all three choruses on that demo baby and i'm like you know baby i don't know about baby and so um you know, I changed it to maybe, and then I, I threw in one baby because uh, I didn't. I didn't want it to say, you know, I like there to be some 
some variation in the yeah. pre-choruses or whatever, you know. And I'm, I'm a I'm a big fan of pre-choruses, you know. I think mm-hmm. uh, uh, Def Leppard. I think they're the master of the pre-chorus, you know. They oh uh, yeah, their pre-choruses are almost better than the choruses. Yeah, they're incredible. <laughs> in a song like Photograph, it actually has two pre-choruses, you know. Yeah. It just just keeps building and building. I've always been a fan of that, and uh, you know, I I like it when the when the pre-chorus has some variation in the lyric that it's not just repeating the exact you know same thing or whatever. So I'm a fan um, of that as well. Yeah. So you know, Jesse had baby in the in the um, in the demo uh, before every chorus. You know, like I say, it was just da 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 da. But baby, I don't wanna you know and. I'm like, okay, so he's a baby, you know. <laughs> All right, well, I, you know, it, I'm I'm not the the biggest fan of of singing baby, you know. It's a little uh, little corny for my taste, but it, you know, it works sometimes. And uh, another thing I'm not a fan of is uh, like when songwriters uh, go la 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 or na 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 na, you know. I'm just like, come on, it's so fucking lazy to you know just sing na 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 or fa la la, and you know I've 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 never really liked doing that. So Journey made a career out of it. <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot of people do it, and sure, yeah. there's there's plenty of good songs that have fa la la's in it, but uh, but I know, you know what you mean. Couldn't couldn't you have come up with some lyrical content? You know, yeah, ex- exactly. There was a there was a song on our our last record. Our bass player Bill uh, wrote this fantastic song called uh, "Mega Pond King," and he had me singing fa la la's uh, on the outro. And uh, I just, I, I couldn't go for it. I'm like, Bill, let's, you know, let's write some lyrics for this, you know. And I wrote something just so I had like a placeholder instead of just fa-la-las. And Bill waved me off and he said, I'll do it. I'll write it, you know. I, he, did, he didn't <laughs> want me to contribute a single lyric to his song. Uh, he wanted to be entirely responsible for it. And... Uh, boy, did he step up. I mean, Bill wrote these amazing lyrics for the outro uh, of his song, and it was a really powerful moment for the record, and I felt like it was it was one of those great moments where, you know, we were pushing each other and we made it better. And uh, so on the, on the album cover, on the internal package, I, I took a photograph of Bill's handwritten lyrics for that outro, and I in- included it in the... Uh, in the packaging, because again, I, I felt it represented, you know, a, a really great moment for the band. So, anyway, that 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 sidetracks us from what we were what we were talking about. Um, oh no, that was but, that was a great aside. I was it was, it was, it was very interesting. I you know for the listeners, uh, I don't think I've ever 
talked about this on the podcast before, but we as songwriters will talk about uh, in verses or choruses, it's uh, it's the one and three or it's the two and four. And what, what that refers to is is the first, second, third, and fourth uh, or, or more lines in, in a verse. And well, again, Robin, when I was looking at this, I noticed the first one, uh, uh, told me was on the one, sold me was on the three, and then baby was on the four. Well, in, in verse two, it was faded on the one, jaded on the three, and maybe rhyming with baby on, on the four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just to, just to be able to look at that and, and be like, oh, cool, he rhymed the same uh, words with, with, with uh, the other lines was, was really neat. Getting into chorus two, it's the same as chorus one, but we repeat until I hear it from you with the, with the, with the uh, calm response, hear it from you. That happens twice in this chorus. Again, that was, uh, from what you remember, always like that? I'm not entirely sure if that was built into Jesse's original demo. It probably was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's good song craft. You know, to have uh, have the chorus extend a little bit the second time around, or for it to have a, like a B section mm-hmm. or something like that, where it, it just takes the chorus somewhere else. Maybe I don't want to take advice from fools. I just figure everything is cool until I hear it from. Yeah, and then I wouldn't I wouldn't consider this a post chorus, but yeah, it's a it's a little bit you get a little more meat on the bone than the first one. Yeah, I I I'm pretty sure that was that was probably in there in uh, Jesse's uh, uh, initial demo. Yeah. And what I love about this song, you know, it's a it's a little pop gem. It's three minutes and twenty seconds, but upon listening to it and and really getting in, into it, I noticed the bridge seems like it happens really fast. Second chorus, and then all of a sudden you're in this breath of fresh air. Can't let it get me off or break up my train of thought. As far as I know, nothing's wrong until I hear it from you. So you're still getting that chorus lyric uh, in the bridge. And then from there, it goes into uh, the guitar lick, kind of a little solo thing, but it, it's mimicking the chorus melody, which is really cool uh, before we get to verse three. So let's talk about that bridge a little bit. I can't let it get me off or break up my train of thought. As far as I know, nothing's wrong until I hear it from you. In the context of the story, this guy's just trying to uh, deal with this, with these rumors that he's hearing, and he's just trying to, you know, put it behind him. And you know, everything, you know, he's he's saying he doesn't want to trust these rumors until he hears it from his girlfriend. And so, you know, I wanted the lyrics of the of the bridge to relate to that sentiment that it was. Uh, you know he's he's got this information, but he he wants to he wants to hear it from whoever he's singing to, and whoever th- he's involved in this relationship with. So uh, you know he's just trying to put it 
put it aside. I don't, you know, I won't let it get me off, you know. Um, and, you know, I guess what I really mean by that is, you know, I won't let it piss me off, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I won't, I, I won't take it to heart. Um, you know, that's pretty much... Uh, you know what the guy's thinking at that at that moment, and I I can't say for sure. My feeling is that uh, till I hear it from you was not at the end of the bridge on Jesse's demo. I think it was something that I simply refrained, and it, I could be wrong about that. Jesse might have had it in the demo, but either way, it felt natural for me to lead up to that with, uh, you know, I won't let it get me off or break up my train of thought. As far as I know, nothing's wrong until I hear it from you, until I know for certain what you're thinking. You know? Well, I love it so. because, you know, I was talking a moment ago about the post-chorus. The post-chorus is some of my favorite things in a song when it's just, it's a, a continuation of the chorus. Well, this is a bridge, it's a d departure, but you still get that refrain of until I hear it from you. And it kind of ties it back together before we get uh, to that little guitar lick. Um, and then it comes to a third verse, which is warranted. And I think it's warranted lyrically, especially what you're saying here, still thinking about not living without it. So you're kind of coming to grips, I think, with this verse of what's going on here. So, you know, I'm just so it's it's in it's in this, this guy's head. And as as much as he, he doesn't want to be thinking about it, uh, he's just kind of stuck with this. Uh, it says outside looking in till we're talking about not stepping around it, maybe. And yeah. then, then, then another chorus. Right. So Jesse, actually, I had written something else and Jesse came up with outside looking in. And that was his one lyrical contribution to the verses. Um, he obviously had he had that lyric. And I remember him calling me and saying, hey, can we change this line to outside looking in? It's you know, it's it's just such a classic uh, sentiment. You know, and I'm like, yeah, that works. Okay, sure. You know, I wasn't uh, so anal that I, I, I didn't want him to contribute to to, to those lyrics or whatever. Yeah. You know, I'm uh, confident enough and, you know, uh, to, you know, step aside and admit when somebody else makes a really significant contribution to my my portion of the song or whatever. So uh, Jesse came up with Outside Looking In, and that's one of the signature lines of the song, and it's one of the more memorable moments uh, in the song. And eventually, when Universal put out a greatest hits package for Jim Blossoms, they called it Outside Looking In, for good reason, because that's a, that's a really powerful moment yeah. uh, in in the song and so that translates into being one of the more powerful moments in our entire body of work so Hey, everybody, don't go anywhere. There's lots more of our Throwback Thursday episode with Robin Wilson after a few words from our sponsors. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you like music and you like podcasts and you like to laugh and you like to learn, you need to immediately subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Each week on the One Hit Thunder podcast, we dive deep into the story and back catalog of a one-hit wonder band or artist. From there, we have a good, healthy discussion as to whether they brought the one-hit thunder or were nothing more than a one-hit wonder. We have a huge back catalog, and we've done episodes on everything from Don't Worry, Be Happy and the Macarena to King of Wishful Thinking and Cumbersome. I promise you're going to love the show more than Jaquan loved getting tipsy and even more than Bobby Boris Pickett loved making alternate versions of the Monster Mash. Subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your podcasts. You can trust me not to think and not to sleep. And now, back to our Throwback Thursday episode with Robin Wilson. Well, I got to say, I got to commend you on your memory. Uh, you you remind me of myself. I can remember where I was at. Uh, I could smell uh, uh, spaghetti on the stove when I wrote this lyric. The guys in my band were like, you're crazy. <laughs> and your recall is, you know, we're going back a quarter century here, Robin. I'm in, I'm yeah. impressed. I'm impressed, you know. Well, and that, thanks. It, no, it's, it's it's awesome that you remember that. And it's really, it's really cool because I can, I can relate to that. Um, getting into chorus three, now you're saying until I hear it from you uh, four times here. So it's repeated mm-hmm. even two more times than the second chorus. And then we go into uh, the, the fade out, the, re- the refrain. It's uh, going to carry on you. Oh, no, it's going to carry on till I hear it from you. Won't take advice from fools. Figure everything is cool till I hear it from you. I don't want to take advice from fools. I'll just figure everything is cool until I hear it from What I love about this fade out is the song doesn't just end on some major chord and like, okay, that's the end. Well, no, it, it, it it's kind of leaves you hanging because you haven't heard it from her yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, this whole that's, thing that's is That's what I took place. from it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you're right. Uh, you know, all of the, the whole song is taking place inside this guy's head. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not, uh, it's not being acted out and it's not. Uh, a live conversation that he's having with people he's he's working this out on his own and so yeah that's why it it, it 
stays somewhat unresolved in terms well, yeah, of, and, yeah. And, and sometimes the fade out doesn't work. And I think it was, it was the perfect call for this song. Do you remember, was that, I know uh, John Hampton produced the track was, was the fade out something that uh, Jesse and Marshall thought of, or you thought of, or was this something in the studio that just happened? Do you remember? I don't remember, but, um, we tend to not overthink things. And, uh, you know, I would, I would imagine it was probably John saying, well, why don't we just fade this? And everybody just kind of shrugging and going, yeah, that'll work. Um, you know, <laughs> that's cool. Uh, so, uh, of course, you know. It, yeah, well, I wouldn't, that's one thing I wouldn't imagine you going, yeah, we, we really put a lot of time to think about this fade out. I wasn't getting at it like that. I was, But it, it, it makes sense for me looking at this on the, from the outside to go, yeah, this song had to fade out. It, it can't resolve. Because you haven't yeah. heard, you haven't heard from her yet. <laughs> yeah, it makes it makes sense, uh, you know. And uh, you know, as far as that aspect of the arrangement, yeah, it lends itself to the uh, to the narrative. One one of the things I'd I'd like to touch on ab- about this is something that really struck me was the Empire uh, Records, the movie, the soundtrack uh, was a re- uh, initially on Warner Brothers, ended up being on uh, over to A and M, which is, was your label. Was there a reason, because labels just, they were always, a hit, especially a, a hit of this magnitude, they'd always thrown on the next album coming out. And the next record was 1996, uh, uh, Congratulations, I'm Sorry. Uh, and it was left off the record. Was was there a reason why, uh, till I hear it from you, was left off the, off the album? I can't remember exactly why, but I th- I'm pretty sure we had it in our heads that we, had, we needed to make a record that stood up to new miserable experience and, and was you a, did it was a self <laughs> was a self-contained album and with the perspective of time it was a it was a big mistake not to include until i hear it from you on congratulations i'm sorry but the european version of congratulations i'm sorry mm-hmm. did include uh, till i hear it from you we for whatever reason uh, overseas we said yeah let's put it on the record over there but i don't know i don't not exactly sure uh, why we were allowed to not include it on uh, congratulations i'm sorry you would have thought you wanted a slam dunk and certainly you could have maybe gotten a few more sales out of it but uh, you guys didn't end up hurting too bad you had a, as long as it matters and follow you down on that record so uh, yeah. it, it, it all worked out <laughs> it, it did uh you know uh let me, let me touch on that for a second follow you down was probably uh what i consider our biggest success as a band as a creative force and the reason was we you know again we were under just tremendous pressure to follow up new miserable experience uh, with a hit and there's really no more pressure you can put on a a young band Uh, you know you've got a multi-platinum debut record you had your whole lives to write those songs you know they've been worked in the clubs for years and years and now you've got to start from zero and come up with something that can hold up to that. And so uh, we're under just tremendous pressure. And we've, we went to Memphis. We recorded Congratulations, I'm Sorry. We got done. We thought we were done. And then the label said, no, we need another hit. Uh, we, we, and they were very clear, we need a hit. And we knew As Long As It Matters was a really strong candidate for a, for a hit single. But... The label was was unequivocal. You need to go write a hit. And so that was really the moment where we were under more pressure sure. than at any other stage of our career uh, before or since. And um, so we, you know, we had to 
it was it was terrifying you know go write a hit you know go go live up to your debut because you weren't you weren't trying to write hits then those are just songs that you wrote <laughs> well <laughs> that became yeah. hits yeah i mean we weren't like yeah it's not like uh, you know we're we're not like todd rundgren or elton john or whatever where it's like you know go write a hit we were just trying to be you know we do things in an organic fashion and yeah. you know all of our heroes were bands like uh, you know the replacements or whatever you know so we we weren't thinking in terms of hits we were just uh, thinking in terms great of great songs trying trying to hold up to what inspired us you know and uh so anyway we we i remember we got home uh from memphis uh we thought the record was in the can they said go write a hit it was terrifying and all of a sudden, um, like, uh, I think it was Bill, our bass player, called and said, hey, uh, Jesse and I wrote this chorus. Uh, I'm going to send you the demo, and you need, to write the, you need to write the lyrics. You need to write the verses. And uh, so he sent me the tape, and it was, uh, it was a recording of, uh, of Follow You Down. That's awesome. So they had the chorus, but they didn't have a vocal melody or anything. Uh, They had the chords for the verses, but they didn't give me a vocal melody. They just gave me the, the, the chords. And uh, and then the the chorus was fully flushed out. And so once again, I found myself in that position. Okay, I got to work backwards and not fuck this up. Deja vu. It's a a real, real (laughs) solid chorus here. Follow you down is a real solid chorus. Okay, you know, get get to work. What is the story? Don't screw it up, Robin. Just uh, you know, start start working backwards. You know, Um, so you know those those two songs are you know represent a really. A great time in uh, in the history of our band, where we were, you know, at a at a creative high point, and we were facing down all of the pressure uh, that could be lobbed on us by, you know, a multi billion dollar record label. You know, yeah, I could couldn't even imagine. <laughs> it's definitely definitely a lot of pressure and uh, yeah, and and and, and fing- fingers crossed. Maybe we can have you back sometime and talk about follow you down. I'd be honored. Sure, sure, sure. That'd be well, awesome. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things I, w- I w- definitely want to get into, though, is uh, when we released "Till I Hear It From You." That was that was all. It was pretty intense because the song was written, uh, I believe, sometime around March of 1995, mm-hmm. and then we recorded it in April, and then we made the video at like in in May. And then by June, the song was was on the radio, and I. That's incredibly quick. It, it, you know, it's like the, it, I remember realizing, holy crap! The whole might of the music industry is like behind this song. You know, uh, to just and it was. It's like the old school. Uh, record industry of the 60s or something you know like where the the beatles would you know uh write rubber soul and then just a few months later the label's like okay go make revolver you know um (laughs) (laughs) which is which is unreal by today's standards you know yeah at least a record every two years every three years right right and so uh you know to me the just seeing the machinery 
of the music industry, you know, like in support of what we were doing. And for us to have, you know, given them the right song or at least an adequate uh, song uh, for it to just get shoved into this, uh, you know, like assembly line or whatever. And pow, there it is on television and you know I, my friends are calling me and they're like hey did you get to meet Liv Tyler and I'm You're like, like no. what are you talking about <laughs> was like no I, she wasn't there when we were making the video you know <laughs> of course but. Liv was in the was in the movie uh, Empire Records and yeah. yeah people would always assume that when when Less Than Jake was on the soundtrack did did you meet so and so it's like no we recorded the song 3000 miles away <laughs> yeah yeah and you know I also remember that when when I was working on the on the the demo when i was writing lyrics i again I, I had transferred it onto an adat and then i recorded my vocals and my lyrics onto uh onto the song and i had i had a visit from some of my old high school buddies right around that time they were dudes that i had sort of lost touch with um, hadn't been able to see much and since i had been on the road for the previous three 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 to four years you know i hadn't been around a lot but all of a sudden now, you know, I was making money for the first time in my life. So I bought a house and, um, you know, I had this room full of toys and action figures. And that's where I have my studio and stuff. And so this group of my high school buddies uh, came over because they're like, I want to see the rock star's house. You know, I want to, you know, <laughs> you're the you're the only one of us that owns a house. You know, you're the only <laughs> only guy in our high school class that, you know, is is uh you know buying homes and stuff so I, we want to come over and see what the hell you got going you know big pimping and all that and uh so my buddies came over and i played them the demo for 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 that song with my with my lyrics and it was probably about a year later we were in germany and one of those guys was living in germany and i was out to, to dinner with him and he's like uh you know it's so funny how um, you played us that demo, and then just a few months later, it was on the radio, and I remember hearing that lyric, Jealous and Jaded, in your bedroom, and then just a few months later, there it is, and it's on the radio, and I'm like, yeah, it's a weird fucking world. That know? is so, that is, that is so, that's so cool. That's so awesome, man. And you got your yeah. accolades from your friends always feels good. Um, sure. Robin, I'd like to uh, touch on a couple more things here uh, that you have going on. Uh, fascinated to know that you have a cartoon that you're developing and shopping. It's called Poppin' Wheelies. Can you can you tell the listeners what that's about? Sure, sure. It's something I've been working on for a long time. You know, it's inspired by uh, the cartoons of the '70s that I used to watch. Uh, the Poppin' Wheelies. It's a it's about a rock band in outer space, um, and it's <laughs> so it's it's essentially Scooby Doo meets spinal tap uh in outer space you know that and awesome. so it's it uh, you know i i'm a lifelong fan of animation and science fiction and so uh you know and i'm a child of the of the 60s and 70s and you know i it, back in those days there was so much rock and roll on saturday mornings you know stuff you know like josie and the pussycats and the groovy ghoulies and the banana splits and uh, you know the osmonds and the jackson five both had cartoons and captain cool and the kongs and it was just there was so much rock and roll on Saturday morning TV. And, you know, it was a long time ago. It was back in the 90s. I was having a conversation with someone, and we were going down memory lane talking about all these Saturday morning cartoons. And I remember I, I said to, to whoever I was talking to, I'm like, well, somebody ought to do this again. 
you know? And then I thought, well, why don't I do it? Yeah. You know, and uh, I'm like, this is a good idea. I should really, you know, get on this. And so I'm like, okay, well, I need to come up with a name for this cartoon rock band. I want, I want a cartoon rock band in space. It didn't take me long to land on that. And then I, you know, I wanted something that reminded me, I wanted a name that reminded me of being a kid, you know, and had some sense of action to it. And also the name needed to sort of pop in the same way that the banana splits sort yeah. of pops. And, you know, and it's, it, there's sort of a dual meaning to the banana splits, you know, it's, it's, it's got uh, different sort of layers to the, to the actual words. And so... I'm like, what? Okay, okay. I want to. I want something that makes me feel like a kid and uh, the pop and wheelies. And I just, it just came out. It was so, it was so organic and so easy, and it was just a great moment of I inspiration. So, um, you know, the characters are loosely based on myself and my friends, and uh, you know, guys that I played in bands with. Like the the lead guitar player of the Pop and Wheelies. His name is Otis, and he's based. If, at least physically, on Doug Hopkins of Jim Blossoms. And Doug, Doug's nickname was Otis. So that's how I ended <laughs> up uh, naming the character Otis. And, you know, I, when I hired a comic book artist named Alejandro Garza, who was very well-renowned, when I hired Ollie to do the artwork, I sent him photographs of Doug Hopkins. And I'm like, you know, this is, this is what I'm shooting for. And uh, the drummer of the Pop and Wheelies, his name is Danny, and he's based on my friend Dan, who I was uh, in a group called Gas Giants with, with Dan. He was my partner, and Dan and I used to work together at Tower Records back in the 80s, and we always wanted to start a band together. And it, for a while, Dan was, he played drums in Jim Blossoms for about four months, uh, but he didn't want to be a drummer, so he, he quit the band and moved away. But anyway, so, you know, uh, it's just loosely based on me and my friends, and uh, right now I'm working with one of the biggest animation houses on planet Earth. Uh, I won't tell you who they are, but they have uh, several hit shows that are out there on uh, major networks and uh, streaming services and stuff. So, uh, you know, I've got one of the top animation houses on the planet. They're all in, and uh, starting... Right, right now we're building a, a private website. It's going to be a password-only website for the Pop and Wheelies. And I've already recorded the soundtrack record, or at least enough music for the first season. Oh, that's um, great. And, you know, that's a big part of the pitch. It's, it's really important to me that there be a, an original song and music video sequence in every episode of the show. And it's going to be packed full of science fiction Easter eggs. You know, I, I, I've been a big fan of science fiction my whole life. And so I want, you know, people, to, people like me, uh, you know, nerds, to see the show and go, holy crap, that's that's an O'Neill cylinder, or you know, that's a that's a <laughs> ring world, you know, or you know, look at that ship; it looks just like uh, you know the the Nostromo from Alien or whatever, you know. Um, so it it needs to be funny. The show needs to be funny, and it and it needs to always be about a band in a van trying to get to the gig. That's the the basic premise of the thing, and. 
they're in these crazy science fiction environments and there's uh, kaiju and haunted houses and all that kind of Scooby-Doo stuff. Uh, you know, I'm going to reference classic animation like Johnny Quest and uh, Ralph Bakshi. And I just want to jam it full of everything that I love. And, uh, you know, God help me, it'll be on... Uh, We'll be uh, we'll be pitching it next month, and uh, my fingers are crossed that uh, you know somebody like Netflix or HBO is going to pick it up. So. Well, I wish you nothing but the best with that and all the <laughs> success you. with that. It sounds really cool. I'll definitely be checking it out again. That's called the Pop and Wheelies. Be on the lookout for that. Now, just real quick, Robin, I want to touch on two more quick things. Uh, I want to talk about uh, you've been singing for the Smithereens for the past few years. I saw the Smithereens back in Gainesville at the uh, University of Florida uh, band shell back in 1992 and uh, love love the Smithereens. Their uh, lead singer and guitarist, uh, Pat Denizio, passed away uh, a few years ago and uh, you've been singing for them. And I, I want to say I read that that Marshall was singing with them for a moment. Is that how it came about for you to get the gig? Well, actually, you know, Marshall and I both... Uh, have been doing shows with him. Marshall uh, did a lot more shows than I have over the last few years because my uh, my uh, the Jim Blossoms uh, keep getting in the way of my of my side project in the Smithereens. <laughs> uh, so you know I wasn't as as available as Marshall was for uh, for the shows. So Marshall's probably done about sixty percent of the Smithereens gigs over the last few years, and then I would do uh, I would do them when I could, and. Uh, so I've I've probably done thirty shows with them now um, over the last few years, and I'm I've, I'm not technically like a full member of the band, but I I'm acting like it, and I'm you know I'm writing lyrics, I'm writing songs with Jim Babjack, the lead guitar player, and uh, Jim is a is a really fantastic songwriter and you know apparently you know pat denisio much like doug hopkins didn't really like doing other people's songs and so jim has like this sort of backlog of ideas and everything he's played for me sounds great and it's definitely stuff that i can can work with and so i'm i'm applying all of my skills as a lyricist and a front man and uh you know uh really enjoying being a part of the Smithereens, always one of my favorite bands. And I had met Pat Denisio several times, but I, I didn't know the other guys until there was a tribute concert for Pat Denisio a few months after he passed away. And I was invited to come and do a couple songs. And I showed up and somebody else couldn't make it. And I got this call from the Smithereens. They're like, can you do Behind the Wall of Sleep? And I'm like, yeah, I can do that song. called back again like 20 minutes later and they're like well can you do uh blood and roses and i'm like you're goddamn right i can do blood and roses and so (laughs) i ended up singing you know a lot more than they than anybody had planned on and it just felt great it was awesome and at the end of the night you know i'd hit it off with the band and i went into their dressing room to say goodnight, and I, I just said, guys, you know, I would love to do some more shows with you. And I remember this sort of shocked look on everybody's face, like they hadn't considered that, you know, they hadn't thought of, you know, even asking, or they weren't even thinking, what's the next step for us, or whatever. 
Well, can I say something too that I think is really cool, Robin, is that when I went and checked out some videos of, of you fronting the Smithereens, what I loved about it, you know, a lot of, of, of bands, when someone passes or they want to re- replace their singer, they're going to get the, the, the sound alike or the look alike. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you don't sound like Pat, you bring your own thing to the table and, and it works with, with the, uh, the songs that Pat did. It, it works really well. And it, it's really cool that, uh, that, you, that you were able to do that. Uh, thank you. And, uh, you know, I, I agree, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not trying to sound like Pat, but, uh, you know, I, I can certainly sing, you know, these tunes really well. And, you know, I, having been a, a lifelong fan of the Smithereens and having covered a number of their songs over the years, I already sort of had Pat's cadence down and mm-hmm. his delivery and, you know, the way he writes lyrics is something that, you know, has had some influence on me. And, uh, you know, so it's just a, it was just a great fit. And uh, it's, it's super fun to be a part of it. And, you know, what's all, one, one thing that's so awesome about it, being in the smithereens, is that there's this amazing body of work and these really fun, energetic shows. And I get to do all of that. And I don't, have to carry any of the baggage you know none of the way you you know as well as anyone you know you can't be in a band without there being tons of conflict and you know baggage (laughs) to carry around and these guys have been together for 40 years and uh you know i get to step into this awesome fun uh energetic rock band and you know there's no baggage it's so great it's just about rock it's just about the songs and the shows and yeah you get um, to enjoy the legacy without the bullshit attached right right it's it's really it's really feels good so um you know i'm very excited uh, to announce that you know i've i've been doing these live stream concerts out in my front yard i did one of those with the smithereens you can find that on the jim blossoms official youtube page but that's what i saw uh, and that was cool (laughs) yeah so i'm super excited on halloween coming up at the end of october saturday the 31st on halloween i'm going to be performing in my front yard with the smithereens and marshall crenshaw so super psyched that marshall is going to be there too so marshall is uh, my plan is to have marshall do a solo set you know, because I want to hear, uh, you know, someday, some way, and whenever you're on oh, my yeah. mind, and all my all my favorite Marshall songs, and then Marshall and I, we can do till I hear it from you together, and you know, anytime Marshall's near us, if we're if we've got a show in New York and Marshall's nearby, he'll come to the show and he'll jump up and play with us on till I hear it from you. So that's great. I know he already knows the song, and uh, so. Marshall and I are going to perform that together on Halloween, and then the Smithereens are going to take this, the the stage, as it were, and uh, Marshall and I are going to split up the duties on that. So uh, it's a, it's going to be a really cool cool day, and you know, Halloween has always been my favorite holiday, and I, I make a big deal out of it typically. Um, well, speaking of speaking of so, Halloween, you you have something else you'd like to talk about Halloween. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, my a, a good friend of mine, his name is Andy Heron. He's a, in a couple of great bands. Um, uh, and he's a, he's got a radio show in Nashville on Sunday nights. And uh, Andy's been a friend of mine for a long time. He called me about uh, five weeks ago, and he said, "Hey, dude, I'm thinking about recording a, a cover version of 
the Ramones Pet Cemetery, uh, you know, for as like a Halloween project. And I'm like, I'm in. Yeah, absolutely. So we cut this really cool version. It's a little bit more metallic than it is punk. And so we, we recorded this kick-ass version of Pet Cemetery, and we're going to be making a music video for it. And so I'm, I'm in the process right now of like doing makeup tests and lighting tests, and I'm going to do the video in, the, in like the corner of my storage room where it's just like these gray uh, cement walls with all these rust stains. And, you know, I'm going to make it look like Blair Witch Project or something, you know. Uh, gonna going to shoot a, a spooky Halloween video. Um, going to be uh, having that out sometime before Halloween. I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. I don't want to live my life again. Uh, you'll find all this stuff, the pop and wheelies, smithereens, all these things uh, you'll be able to find on the Jim Blossom's official YouTube channel. So. Awesome. You, you, you're a busy man. And uh, I want to uh, let our listeners know right now, so this is a first on Krista Makes a Podcast, and this is really special and really cool that you suggested uh, doing this. And it's, it's awesome. Uh, Robin uh, has offered to uh, play uh, Till I Hear It From You live right here acoustic live without a net and uh i i would uh, take it away all right here we go i didn't ask they shouldn't have told me at first i laughed but now Sinking in fast Whatever they've sold me Well baby I don't want to take advice From fools I'll just figure everything Is cool Till I hear it From you It gets hard The memories faded who gets what they say It's likely they're just jealous and jaded Well maybe I don't want to take advice from fools I just figure everything is cool Till I hear it from you Till I hear it from you I can't let it get me off Or break up my train of thought Far as I know nothing's wrong Till I hear it from you Thinking about not living without it I'm outside looking in Till talking about not stepping around it Maybe I don't want to take advice from fools 
I just forgive everything he's gone Till I hear it from you 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 I hear it from you I won't take advice from fools I figure everything is cool I won't take advice from fools I figure everything Till I hear it from you There you have it. A first on Krista Makes a Podcast, Till I Hear It From You, Robin Wilson from the Gin Blossoms. Robin, thank you. Ugh. <laughs> it was awesome. Thank you so much for for doing that. Uh, uh, I don't, I'm don't. i kind of uh, at a loss for words. That was really, really kind of you to share that. Thank you. It's It's been my pleasure, Chris. It's nice hanging out with you, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad, to, glad to talk, uh, you know, glad to hang out with other cool musicians, and Honestly, uh, I haven't got a whole hell of a lot else to do these days, so uh, it's it's uh, it's good for me. It's cathartic, and uh, you know, just glad to meet you, and uh, hopefully someday uh, in person we'll get a chance. Sounds good, and uh, make sure to check out everything that Robin has going on. Uh, I can't wait for the pop and wheelies, and uh, we will see you next time, Robin. Thank you. Thank you. Take it easy, Chris. Rock away. How great was that episode? I hope you love that one as much as I did. Don't forget, everybody, there are a ton of episodes in our back catalog, so go check them out. It doesn't matter if the episode was from a long time ago. The story behind the song still stays the same. In the podcast industry, that's what we call evergreen. And if you love what we're doing over here at Krista Makes a Podcast and you want another huge back catalog of great episodes, head over to KristaMakes.com and sign up for our supporting cast where you'll get weekly bonus episodes of The After Party, a huge back catalog of those evergreen episodes, and most importantly, you'll allow us to continue making this show. Thanks, everybody. We'll be talking to you again real soon.
Products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at lifemd.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Hey, you. Did you have any plans this year? Ha! <laughs> How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.